How to Create a Glitch Monologue Season 15 Chapter 6 This is Season 15 of How to Create a Glitch in the Matrix Monologues Episode 6. In this episode, we will be applying the folds in time or time loop analysis to all forms of bodily expression, building upon the complete series. To start out, the concept of folds in time was introduced using the quantum eraser delayed choice experiment. The general thesis was that the same principle outlined in that episode can illuminate how it is possible to experience multiplicity. I would go further to say that this principle also explains multiple levels of meaning, different forms of emphasis, and glitches of many kinds. In previous podcasts, I explained how reality is nested so to speak, or multi-leveled. What I meant by this is that it is possible to express many distinct levels of meaning simultaneously. So for example, you may be speaking on the subject of history with your words, while with your hands or body language, you are expressing an entirely different narrative. The general point I emphasized in those podcasts was that each level of expressive meaning corresponding to the five spatial plates, represents a distinct complete narrative. Thus, what you say with your words, is only one small subset of what you're expressing physically. Each level of expressive language is complete meaning it could comprise a distinct reality in and of itself. The implication of all this is the following. If it were possible to experience each of these realities simultaneously you would hear distinct narratives, see distinct postures, hand movements and body movements, representing five distinct universes of possibility. Now, this multiplicity, carries the same quality as the multiplicity described in the podcast on folds in time. It resolves by way of a measurement. This collapses the wave function and eliminates the multiplicity. But, what if that information was destroyed at a later time? What if the memories and objective traces of the multiplicitous experiences were destroyed ex post facto? The answer is, of course, that it would return to an influx, many-layered reality, in the past. Now, this has implications as well. First of all, We know that if the action taken in all realities or universes is the same at the end or conclusion of the divergence, if that action destroys the information or traces of the past divergences, then, that would be consistent with the destruction of the information. Now, what if what I call the resolving gesture, the common gesture, between multiple narratives, which comes at the end of the sequence of two distinct possibilities, represents this action described above? What if the multiplicity we have observed with respect to human activity, is nothing more than a remnant memory, a trace inside consciousness of an event which leaves no objective trace? The only way for this to work would be if the act of communicating that information was restricted, undermined, or the accepted veracity of that information was undermined. In other words, might it be possible to remember the past in flux if and only if that information is destroyed at a later time? and the remnant memories are not communicated, or not accepted when they are. Supposing that the immediate gut reaction of my listeners is to disregard such experiences as lunacy. Might that not do the trick? But, there is another lesson we can learn from this analysis. Namely, that if it is indeed possible to remember or experience reality in flux, or multiplicitous, then it must be true that the objective destruction of all traces of those experiences must precede the destruction or eraser of that information in the mind. It must be so, because, 
the past is only in flux after the measurement is destroyed. If observation is indeed measurement, then experiencing it initially as in flux is impossible. Which means that only a memory or a delayed experience of reality makes this possible. And if so, then the objective evidence may be wiped away long before our memory. Both qualities explain why it is so hard to objectively verify the supernatural or the glitch. As a second point, language has the same qualities as physical expression. It is possible for language to possess many meanings, discrete meanings, parallel realities, all corresponding to the same word choice. Thus, we can say that multiplicity is not just about reality being in flux physically. As a reflection of the parallel divergent narratives of physical expression, no, it is also about the multiplicity of meaning inherent in tone and emphasis. In past episodes we talked about how identity is reflected in the emphasis others put on our body language and vocal expression. We talked about how this emphasis determines the meaning that we express. Now, what this tells us is that the same quantity of multiplicity is inherent to vocal and written language revealing a transmutation of our identity with each variation in tone or intonation. Not only is what we do in the past subject to multiplicitous realities, who we are is as well. If we imagine that in each moment of observation, the past is multiplicitous, with divergent realities tangentially converging on us, to the extent that we do not remember, we can see that the present and what we observe of others' behavior, which we assume has a coherent consistent linear past, has no link to the past we remember. In effect, every present moment stands above an infinite sequence of pasts, the present merely being the event which unifies all of them, and destroys the objective evidence that they ever happened. That's the end of the podcast for today. If you enjoyed it, please like, comment, and subscribe.